Yo guys, welcome back to another episode on Single Handedly. I'm Thomas. And I'm Nick. And today we have a very different podcast. It's just us two. We're in a <laughs> different location. Um, uh, yeah. And we're going to be, we haven't really explained who we are. We've always got guests to speak about their stories and we just appeared on the internet. Yeah, that's true. So today we're going to talk about ourselves more than anything. Do you want to explain why we're here as well? Why we're in a different location? Yes. So there are a couple of things. Why? So we're testing out our portability. Um, uh, hasn't worked out <laughs> greatly because I came here at 5.10 and it's 9 it's now. It's 9 p.m. It's hours. 9 p.m. Uh, no, it's, yes, for almost four hours setting up because obvi- also we've got a new device to, to set yeah, up, new, so new, new software. Um, so it took us a bit of time to get that running. Yeah, so we're at my office and I thought it would be faster if this time Thomas came to me to set up, but... It wasn't the case <laughs> at all. Case. It took <laughs> us too long to set up, but we're learning. And what's, what's up with these really long stands? I know I'm complaining a lot today, but... I think it's not the stands. Look, I'm holding it in my hand, uh, feeling like a rock star. No, I think it's the it's yeah, the chairs that are a bit too low, so I'm holding it on my thigh. Yeah, the fact that I'm short doesn't help either. Mm, we're we're big at heart then. <laughs> so, I think we we should get started on who who we are, I guess. Who who's Nick? Where did Nick start from? Wh- wh- who we're, is we're this digital nomad now? We're starting from me. From you, I'm starting. Nick, how did you get into the world of media and the world of uh, computing and programming and all things basically so digital it started it started from programming i um i was around so i was still young i have two older brothers for context and one yo- younger one but i have two older brothers who of course um i mean you're, you're an only child so you won't relate to this but when you have older brothers or older sisters you obviously get if they if they buy something like playstation or whatever you obviously get to use that you get right? the pass downs basically get the downs. and um I remember my, my eldest brother had got a PC, a Pentium 4. You know what Pentium 4 is? Maverick, do you know what Pentium 4 is? No idea. So I have no idea what these stuff. So Pentium 4, right. so you know i7, i9, whatever. Those are all CPUs. Okay. Pentium 4 was a type of CPU, really old CPU. Which which year was that, Mav? Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. So basically, um, my parents got my older brother who who initially he started learning um, typing on a... Uh, Typewriter. Typewriter. For a second, I forgot what it was. And so he was like ready to, you know, go on to the next new device, which was a personal computer. And I got him this PC with a really big CRT monitor, like the white ones. Okay. That when you plugged it to the wall, it drew out so much electricity because it was really, really big and old. And anyway, and um, my brother used to use it for playing games and whatever. My other brother the same. And I wasn't so good in playing games, partly because I was like six, seven, eight. I think I was actually around seven or eight. And uh, so what I did is I used to try to use the computer to see, you know, what you can do on a computer. I mean, I remember it had internet as well, and it was so different than the internet now. So if you would go on a search engine and you would type something like, I don't know, how to do a recipe, for example, Okay. You wouldn't even get any search results. This we're talking about. So it is. I'm 
27 now. More than around 20 years ago seven. now. So, God, man, 20, 20 years. 20 years ago. 20 years ago. I never said that word, I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's becoming a reality. We're all growing up. So can you imagine search engines 20 years ago like you wouldn't find results so anyway i would go on the internet and i would just search for things and one of the things that that i came across um was a website called pixo so for those of you that don't know pixo is today's squarespace i guess you know what squarespace is by the way they're not sponsoring us yet how, how do you spell pixo p-i-c-z-o so it was similar pixo. to squarespace and on pixo what okay. you what you could do is you could like build pages and put pictures and and make cool animated text. And at around like eight eight years old, I think I started to learn how to build websites on Pixel. And I would just put you know pictures of my favorite band. And I used to put pictures of Green Day. I remember and all these and, and okay. Eminem, some shady. And this looks like the website. Um, uh, I don't know if you watched Breaking Bad. The same style yeah, as the, yes, the yes, GoFundMe yes. they yeah, set exactly. up for Walter. Yeah, yeah. So similar to that. So anyway, um, I I found out actually my not my eldest brother, my my other brother Ryan had introduced me to this Pixel website because he found it from his friends. And basically, this was exactly before the High Five era. You know what High Five is? No, no idea. Maverick, do you know what High Five is? No. So High Five was a social media platform before Facebook. Um. It was like highfive.com. Then I think like around seven years ago, Justin Timberlake bought it and then they just okay. closed it down. Anyway. Um, and yeah, a lot of people on High Five would use Pixo and whatever. So there's where I started coding the first time because to put pictures, you, you can drag and drop pictures, but you could also code pictures in and you can put cool effects on these pictures. Okay. And then you can do cool effects on text as well and all that. And then from there, I started to learn on how to write computer viruses just because okay. let's let's call it ethical hacking ethical hacking so when you're sharing a computer with two other brothers you fight a lot and Obviously. being the youngest one doesn't help so of course they would get more time on the computer than i would and our parents used to only let us play on the computer on the weekend so that during the week we can focus on school so you can imagine for two days between three brothers it was quite violent to get to use the computer so what i would do is i used to write scripts um on uh, shell i think it's called if i remember correctly yeah it's right is this script. is this a programming website no 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 so um, you know the windows console so when you go to windows and you open cmd there's like a black terminal with white text okay cmd yeah, it's the term term for Windows. It's a command prompt for Windows. Okay. And I used to write .bat files, so uh, batch files. Um, so on that, you could write really fun viruses, actually. So you can make like the um, the CD tray open and close. Everything was mostly hardware at the time as well. Yeah. So, so it was shifting. So right? what I would do is I would create a shortcut on the desktop that opens this BAT file, but of course it looks like it's not a normal file. So what I would do is I used to create the shortcut on the desktop. I would change the icon to a Windows uh, Internet Explorer, whatever it's called. And I used to delete the other icon so that they had to click on that. And what would happen is when they click on that, it would open and close the CD tray. Uh, so and then it would turn off the computer. All right. So that all was right. the simplest one. Then uh, I started making more technically advanced viruses. Now I think it was like 
10 years old. And I used to create a form, a Windows form. And I used to set the opacity to zero. So the form is invisible. And that would make the Windows form follow your cursor, depending on the coordinates on the screen. So okay. that when you click, the click doesn't go through and it doesn't work. So I would put this... It's file. like masking the screen exactly. so, exactly. so it doesn't work. So when you're clicking, you're not getting through to the actual things you want to click on because there's this window which is following your mouse that you're always clicking on. Um, and I used to put this inside the startup folder of Windows. Every time Windows boots up, there would be this thing that you, you can't click away from and they wouldn't notice. But what I used to do is there used to be like an Easter egg to close it. So if you put a certain uh, shortcut, so it, I think I would do like control shift B something, it would ask you for a password. And when you put in the password, it just closes the virus so that mm. I can use the computer. So All I used right. to do a lot of these things to... To my brothers, just to kind of annoy them and get them frustrated so that I'm able to use it. And so, yeah, so I started like that. And then I remember, do you guys remember Call of Duty 2? Yes, 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 yes. There was a big phase where um, people were playing Call of Duty 2 multiplayer. And I used to have like servers for Call of Duty 2. So people would connect to my server and I would have like 30 people playing on my server. And I would set custom game modes and all of that. So... Uh, I even I even used to um, I had a do you, have you ever played San Andreas multiplayer? I uh, I got into GTA just the l the most recent one. The most recent so one. So again, I I didn't used to play them, but I used to like playing around with them. So like for San Andreas multiplayer, there's um, there are lots of hacks. You no, know? at yeah, the time there were lots of shortcuts you could type with there's, the there's up down side side up. There's that, but on multiplayer mode, you can actually program the game modes which was really cool so using lua lua's a lua's a type of scripting language i don't know if it's used today to be honest because it's been a while since i used it um and i used to script in lua like game modes for san andreas and um, then i used to create servers for people to join and this is i'm like 12 13 14 years old okay and then like when i was 14 i think i got paid to do my first website and how was that? Can you guess how much I got paid? I'm guessing 50 to 100 euro. 50 to 100 euro? No. no. <laughs> More? It was like 5 euros. 5 euro? 5 euros. And it took me like, I think it took me like 3 weeks <laughs> to make for 5 euros. And it was a website for a band, a local band. Okay. Can you disclose the band? Or no, not at all. Did, did they still use that website? <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. No, of course not. Um, they were like around my age, like okay. three years older. So, um, five so euro, five euros. What did you buy with those five euro? I don't remember. Bro I still remember where I was when I got paid. Okay. I was waiting for the bus to go home after school. Were you like, this is it? This is how my life is gonna be now? Or what? Being, once, being once underpaid? No, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Making your first money in the digital no, space. I mean, but th back then it was so different. Like there wasn't this whole. I mean, you you know how it is today. Like this today, everyone's a coder and everyone's yeah. A I mean, you didn't have TikTok, you didn't have Snapchat, you didn't have Instagram. We had mm. High Five, and then I think yeah, when I was like 13, 14, there was Facebook, MSN, no, MSN, yeah, MSN was a big Skype. one. Skype, Skype. So oh, yeah, I mean, that's how I started. I was really obsessed with programming. I mean, I still am. Um, and is it something that you find fun, or oh now yeah, is it is no, it work? No, is it still I, a game, or I, is it? I still love it because. 
even now, like my job doesn't directly involve programming, but I can use programming as a part of me, like a toolkit that I okay. can. It's something under the belt that yeah, like even makes you better. Even when it comes to Excel sheets, uh, like I, I'm so good in like doing the scripting and formulas on on the Excel sheets. I've like automated worksheets, which is quite cool, which is something really easy. Like everyone can learn that. But I think fundamentally, everyone should learn programming because it provides you such a good foundation when it comes to using a computer and building whatever you want. Like that's that's the thing. Actually, I can build literally anything okay i mean of course if i have enough time i can build whatever and i think that helped me throughout the year when i was really young i used to like building things with electrical circuits but i was really bad doing that so i think the fact that i was able to sit on a computer and build things virtually helped me a lot (coughs) but yeah that's that's kind of how i started off and then when i was 16 i started working in a marketing agency as a programmer and of course being 16 years old and you're working with 30 year olds it was a big shift in mentality but and how, s- how is it working with with a team of programmers like because oh it was just me and another guy but the code isn't the same usually you know no. when, when you buy a website and you have to clean up all that mess usually that's what they say i guess yeah, yeah i'm but, still, but I'm still learning about this this space everyone is i mean there's like spaghetti code there's object oriented there's mvc there's so many different ways on how to program something but then everyone approaches different so if you do it the right way, you have documentation, you have clean code, neat code, folders. I'll, no, I'll pretend I'll understand, I understand yeah. what you're saying. So, humble beginnings. Um, but no, I think like I really, I really am uh, happy that I spent my childhood being such a nerd okay. because it paid off. Like, okay, I, I didn't go out much when I was really young, when I was 16, 17, 18. But it pays off because you have a you have another skill set that other people your age and even older don't even have. Um, All right. I mean, yeah, that's that's the background in terms of programming, and and then you shifted to video, um, photo. And then when I was a DJ. When I was oh yeah, I mentioned that as well. Huh? When I was seventeen or eighteen, when I started going out, um, I just felt like I needed a hobby because. Programming was something I did for work for two two years full time, so I okay. saw um, taking pictures as something I thought I would be good at because I thought I was creative. I think I still think I'm creative. And your typical shot with the camera in your hand. Yeah, you hate those. I hate them. I hate. Is them. They're all the same. Is that because you only have one hand and you're probably like, I can't do that? <laughs> you can still do it. I think it might go viral. If you hold it in the in the, in your lump, I might, I might, I uh, might. Wh- what do you what do you call your your stump? Other? It's stump, a stump, not, not stump. Okay, it's. I mean, yeah, it's like a foot. That's what they call it. You, it's like a foot. Does it look like a foot? No, I don't think so. It looks like baby toes, if anything. I mean, does the job, I guess. I hold things. I do a bit. Yeah, of you actually you impress me on. Uh, in what ways? Like in what ways? Like sometimes you, you, he would come to the office. Boost my ego, please. Thomas would come to the <laughs> office, whenever he, if he is like doing one hour of work, and he would come. In Nick the doesn't pay me. I don't need to come to the office. <laughs> he comes to the office, and he's like, guys, who wants water? And like four people tell you, yeah, we want water. And then when when he leaves the room, I'm like, "Fuck! I was not gonna get four glasses of water." And he always gets four glasses of water. It's it's uh, it's because I'm a one 
trick pony, you know, like not one trick. No, not that's one trick pony. What am I saying? I'm a one man, one man. Uh, I'd like to do everything in one trip, you know. Ah, okay. You know, like the gro- and the the, sh- the shopping bags all in one. Ah, okay, F- four okay. bags, whatever it is. Um, how yes. how how did it? I mean, you're wearing a Paralympic Games here, Tokyo 2020. Yes. You went to Tokyo. The 99 level 99 boss level. How how did that? St- where did it starts? Where did where did it start for you with sports? Because I think you have you have a similar yes starting to me, but of course not not behind the computer, but like actual so sports. Definitely, I thought of sports the same way you thought about programming. That having this this skill set and this comfort within my body would really help me eventually later on in life. Also because. Right now, I'm at the fittest I'll ever be. It's the most energy I'll have. It's the most flexible I'll be, the most mobile. So it was something that really pushed me to actually continue up on sport because I know that I have till my maybe late 20s to do sport competitively and then I can actually learn whatever I want. So um, early on, obviously, as you can see, as you could see over the past five episodes and numerous highlights, I was born with one hand. Um, I was born with just below the elbow, just a small stump. Um, my parents didn't know, in fact, I was going to be born like that. Uh, no ultrasound and no scan, baby scan before I was born showed that I was going to be born like that. And uh, it was to their surprise and to the surprise of the doctors that I was born with one hand. Obviously, on the day, everyone was shocked. Cut, cut my hand, give give him my hand, uh, give him my yeah. hand. Um, so it was everyone's surprise that, listen, this, my my parents were obviously worried how I do basic things, like tie my lace, wear a watch, type, crawl, walk, run, balance. So I've learned those skills. Uh, I started crawling, I started walking. So I've always put my mind to things and eventually I did them, which is something I'd like to discuss today. Things about obsession. Um, but yes, at the young age, my parents put me into sport initially. I was three years old. I started with football. Um, I spent like 13 years playing football. I, sp- I played with Melita most of my career. And uh, I, I had tried with the national team. I made it the last round. I was captain of the team, competed abroad, played football abroad. Um, during the, the, the career of football, I also played judo. I competed in judo. I played handball. I did athletics. I did swimming. Um, all at different times. And then after my career in in football stopped, I shifted to swimming, to para swimming actually. So then I said, I've worked so hard to do everything in a team setting. Let me see how it would be in a solo sport setting. And swimming was a completely different to what I was used to. It was really tough waking up at 5.30 in the morning to be in the pool, like 15 minutes later, because I used to sleep as much as possible. What do you say different? I mean, apart from this, what do you mean by it? How is it different than other sports? So, because now I grew up in the sport of football. So just like you grew up in the times where the internet was slowly evolving, in swimming, I was already sort of far behind than my, my age group because they had been swimming all their life. Their legs had adapted with the floating and the proper technique. I was learning everything from scratch, which was also intimidating, but I put in the effort, I put in the time, training twice, three times a day, 
um even with with gym um obviously there were times where the 5 a.m sessions were killers um uh, but that's a sport where i really learned a lot about myself about in fact social media because um i wanted to compete at the games because that was my goal com- competing in the games for swimming um so i learned a lot about sponsorships about um working with a full team of nutritionists psychologists coaches um the full the full spectrum and uh, unfortunately i got injured so i had bursitis in both my shoulders and uh, i couldn't compete and swim anymore i used to swim 25 meters and get out of the pool with ice packs so it wasn't it wasn't easy then because obviously i had worked so hard towards this goal and then sort of i couldn't reach where i wanted to reach um so i shifted my my attention to athletics i started running again i found that i was more natural at it uh, obviously i had been running in football so i had a good idea i did athletics before um most of the sports i did were on land and uh, i enjoyed the dynamic of of athletics it was still super satisfying because all the work i did was alone so it was a solo sport you're still within the dynamics of a team because in the pool you can't even speak you're catching your breath at the wall um there's a good team dynamic good coach uh, coach relationship amazing amazing experience overall and uh, eventually I ended up competing at the Paralympic Games for athletics I represented Malta now it was 2 years ago around this time I was preparing the final preparations and uh, yeah so I wanted sport to one there are many things I did sport for I continued on sport because even though my parents put me into sport then it was me who kept on wanting that feeling of of what sports gives because I used to rest my mind after a long day at school um I used to meet a different group of people the more sports I did the more different social groups I had so I I did enjoy um how sports translated to my day-to-day life because I really did appreciate each moment as it came because each sport and each training session each coach I've had all taught me a different lesson in life and uh, I think that's how sport really shaped me because it was a combination of experiences of my coaches my peers um, other stakeholders my parents pushing me um all of them played a role into me becoming a a better person outside the sport as well you mentioned your experiences did you have negative experiences in sport maybe trying to fit in mm. with other with other people practicing the same sport or um i've grown up with my friends so not really i didn't have many issues I didn't, i'm not going to say i didn't have any i didn't have many um uh, there were times yes i was bullied um one of the examples i remember was during a football game and he had told me something about my hand i was still a kid of 15 i was i didn't know any what was anything around me was going on i had no idea what i was doing at the time and i just burst out crying i had no emotional maturity and sort of i i i fell into the trap of you know the mind games during the game that was one of the the worst ones i'd say um 
But there was another, for example, going badger karting, and uh, my friend had her 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 birthday party. Who it it was one of the first badger karting experiences in Malta. We were just like of age; we could start racing. And I had gone, and he told the mother of this girl that was hosting the party that he can't he can't raise the steering too hard for What's him. Who said that? The the guys in charge who are ah, okay. um uh, taking care of the 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 track. And at the time, I was shocked. Like my mom used to speak to me when I was in junior four, so it was a shock to her that I couldn't do it. it I w- I've never found any problems with anything I had done, so I didn't see why this was going to be any different. Um, and uh, I had gone home. Imagine going to your first party and you go home. I was the only one who ended up going home, and yeah, they didn't give me the chance to race. And then my mom had called them. And she had told them that um, you're going to let my child race and he's going to come and he's going to try out. If he doesn't manage, he doesn't manage, but he's going to try. And I ended up going, I ended up taking a friend and uh, a couple of friends, I think it was. or Yeah. And we ended up racing and ended up winning. So from not knowing how to race or them thinking that I don't know how or I won't figure it out, I've spent all my life figuring things out in an able-bodied world, doing things my way. This was not going to be any different. I was always the one adapting to the life around me. I was always capable of using my legs better than other people because I used to compensate for my arms and I maneuver. And I, I use all parts of my body, not just my hands, you know. If it's tying a lace, I tie it around my little finger. These little things people don't see. And uh, the same with driving. In that case, I, I drive a car now, so it wasn't any different. I don't drive a manual, but I drive an automatic car. Um, the same with abseiling. I got my abseiling course. Uh, I got my nautical license course. I adapted the, the boat to have pedals. Um, it's a gas pedals and, and brake pedals instead of the, the, the lever. And uh, I shifted the lever on the other side as well. So anything there's always a way around everything and that's what life taught me life taught me that there's no closed doors there's just maybe a different exit or a different entry and some people fail to see that and we're capable of so much more but we're quick to say i don't know or how can i do this this is impossible the word impossible such a big word nothing's impossible Everything was impossible till the first time you did it. Today, I say it's impossible to drive a Ferrari in 10 years. But who knows? Maybe I have two. <laughs> it's impossible. It's not impossible. It's a, we make it seem impossible. But it's not impossible. It's difficult. If it's easy, everyone would have it. And I like that quote. Why do, why do things have to be easy? then nothing comes easy in life. The good things don't come easy. You don't appreciate something if it came easy. If I tell you setting up this podcast, everyone could set up this podcast if it was that easy. But setting up equipment, learning the different software, uh, learning how to speak to people, getting sponsors, it's a whole process. And not everyone appreciates that. And not everyone has the time to do it or not everyone has the motivation to do it. But this is the goal I've set. And I was speaking it out in the world. It's August 8th. They say all the 8s are the, a- the angel numbers for speaking things out into, into the world. And 
I do believe that this podcast will get a million subscribers one day, and that's my goal. And it's right now. It seems impossible. It seems far fetched, obviously, because we're still at 137 subscribers. Shout out to all you guys. <laughs> but I don't see why that should stop us, because even the biggest channel started from zero. And the same thing with my life. They're always gonna tell you, no, that's impossible. But that's their perspective. Jay Z said the same thing. You're not capable of selling a million records. Don't put that on me. Don't put that what you haven't achieved that I won't achieve it because I will. I maybe I'm delusional, but maybe I'll do it. And then you tell me how did you do it? So that's how I see my life. It's a game. It's it's a fun game. It's proving people wrong. It's being better than yesterday. It's all these things combined together, and it's learning from people's experiences and like that definitely shaped the way I am I think you mentioned you mentioned something towards the end that I, I, I agree with I mean I believe that if every single person tries to be 1% better today than they were yesterday eventually 365 days from now you look back where you were you see wow look, look I was at that point every single day since that day I gave 1% more. I did that one thing every day that helped me, whether it's going to the gym, exercising a diet, reading a book, learning a new skill. If you do it consistently, you don't need to do 10 hours a day, but if you do one small thing every single day, it compounds. You mentioned one of my favorite three words to super success. So my three words to super success are consistency, Obsession and discipline. Staying disciplined on your part and not motivated is what keeps you there. Because you can't wake up motivated. I'm going to change the world. I'm going to start having ice baths every day. I'm going to eat healthy. I'm going to go to training twice a day, two, four, five minute workouts. I'm going to read. I'm going to journal. It's good for day one. That's what Jonathan said. It's good for day two. Day three, it's getting harder. Day four, I don't want to get out of bed. But discipline gets you out of bed. Obsession is then where you separate yourself i feel if i tell you that podcasting is the goal or youtube is the goal or creating websites is the goal or becoming an olympian is the goal there's no one who can take that obsession that the work you put in from you so if you're going to work towards that and you believe that you won't stop at anything till you achieve that then you're you're the most powerful person in the world i think that's combined with going on your own path is powerful. So what I mean by that is... Shape your own role, yes. Most of the time, certain people like to share their visions. I don't believe in sharing visions just because I know that those other people, so similar to what you said before, those other people are going to tell you, no, that's not possible, no, you can't do that, no. But what they are saying is just an outcome they see for themselves. Because they believe that they're not good enough to do that thing. So if they are not good enough to do that thing, you're not anything better than them, so you can't do it. So I really believe that you should zone out, monk mode, like you like to be, and be consistent, be dedicated, be ambitious, be eager, and just dedicate and obsess over it. I mean, this this is something that not a lot of people know, actually. When... uh, when I worked on Cartable Byte, it okay, was... Okay, so explain what Cartable Byte is. For context. 
So, um, Cartable Byte is a card game for adults in Maltese. Um, some people would refer to it as being similar to Cards Against Humanity. Some people say would say I copy it. One thing I would say is... <laughs> Filling a niche. Good artists copy great artists steal as well, but, I mean, all jokes aside, um, I, I feel like I found a gap in the market and I kind of did fill it quite properly and there was my own spin on it. So um, there's QR codes on every single one of the cards. You can scan it and when you scan it, a video will come up and something else most people don't know. All those QR codes are um, giving real-time data. So I'm able to see how many people in the real world that's that's legal, right? Yes, it's legal. Um, how many people are playing the game? Which locations they are playing from? Um, which time they're playing? Which card they're they're scanning the most? So I have like real time data of people that are playing the cards, which is really cool. Um, of course, it's all anonymized, so I don't know <laughs> who it is. But what I did for thirty days, and I think this this is something very powerful, and hopefully someone can learn from it, but I was in a really, I wouldn't say lonely place after Jonathan Shaw's podcast and after the book I, I read of him, I appreciated more. I was, I was in a place of solitude, so I was living alone. Um, I was, I had just broken up with my ex, I think a few months, after a few months. And I had quit my job initially because... I two two of my then teammates had left the company and they invited me to open up a company with them. But after a while, they actually had a disagreement and the company that we were working on f- fell apart. So I was left completely jobless. Um, and I wanted to come up with something that would help me open my own business. But I needed good capital, so I needed quite a lot of money to start a new business and start hiring people. Do we really need a good capital? Do, do people who are out there wanting to start an o- their own business, do they re- really need like a huge investment? Like, no. Or they can they get started for free? You can, you can, depending on what you're in. Okay. I mean, you can start, if, if your thing is doing podcasts, you can start a podcast just by using your phone and recording yourself. You don't need to have the best audio. Definitely. People will still hear it. So... I was in a place of solitude where I was alone and I had to think about what my next step is. I wanted to open a company. I didn't have the capital to do it. And what I came up with was creating a card game targeting um, teenagers and young adults just because that was the kind of um, people I wanted to... uh, I wanted them to know what I did or what I was capable of doing because I had nothing to show for it. Um, And in... 30 days, I came up with this card game. I came up with the idea. I came up with the name, uh, with the design. Um, you obsessed over it. For I a, obsessed for a, over it for, for 30 days. So you can imagine, I was eating um, takeout every single day for 30 days. It was really expensive. But That's what I was going to say. It, it costed I, you a every, bit. Every single time I was ordering, I was so obsessed over what I was doing. I knew it was going to work out and I, I was saying this is going to pay off. This is going every single day. I would wake up at 8 a.m. and I would sleep like at 3 a.m. 
and I would mm. work on the idea every single day, Monday to Sunday. And this was during COVID. Okay. So, so, so there were no distractions. There technically. were no distractions. And I was in my element because, again, I love being inside too. I don't okay. really, I don't really go out a lot all the time. I mean, I go out more now, but I obsessed for one month over every single detail. So about the design, about the website, about how it's being sold, about the payments, how they're going to go through, about what happens when you buy it. And there's like a screen with confetti saying, thank you for buying, about um, the material, about the, the thickness of the cards, um, about every single detail I obsessed over. And I just felt like this, this is going to work out. It has to work out. I'm putting everything into it. And I remember on the 31st day, I opened the website. Um, I just pasted the link on Facebook. I went to sleep. Next morning, I woke up. I looked at my phone and I saw I had an email and it says purchase successful. And I'm like, I, I didn't buy anything. And I go inside Gmail and I see that a guy actually bought it. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. A guy actually bought the game, but I don't even have it yet. Like I didn't have actual supply because I haven't ordered it. I put up the okay. website online. I just posted it to Facebook, not thinking anything of it, just to get things going. And someone bought it and I didn't have the physical supply of the game yet. And then after that first order, within maybe the next hour, I got another one. And then 30 minutes went past and I got another order. And then 15 minutes went past and I got another order. And then by the end of the day, literally within the next 12 hours, I had 100 orders pending on my, on my Gmail saying purchase successful. So and that I was the, no the first taste of that was the your own like, was it self-employed? No, like hustle money, I guess. Yeah. Um, and it was so overwhelming because, I mean, I had my friends were helping me and it was just so much to handle. There was people messaging and saying, oh, listen, I'm trying to buy it. My, the money won't go through. And people asking me, listen, can you deliver to this place? And I didn't even know how, how I'm going to deliver. I mean, I had initially... You're still figuring, figuring I, exactly, it Exactly. And I had initially asked around, listen, how can I deliver things Like if this goes well? And... And... It was just so overwhelming. And then I did, so first day, second day, third day, 100 orders, even more than 100 orders every single day. And we're talking about, I mean, that, that is, is quite a lot of money. So within the first two weeks, I think, within the first week, I think we hit 10K sales, okay. I think. But definitely within, within the second slash third week, we hit 20,000 in sales. And that was... 20,000 quantity or... So 20,000 euros. Okay. 20,000 euros in, in, in sales in, in like two or three weeks. Which... Crazy. Is, is insane. Um, and I don't think... I don't think people actually know the volume of how many we sold. Um, and, and in your early 20s, so it's like... Yeah, I mean, this was two years ago. Mid-20s. Mid-20s, mid-20s. Something like that. 24, 25. Um... And just figuring everything out as I go, like I would, I remember we would be packing the boxes and packing the orders. We would have a table as big as this table here, full of papers because we started sorting out orders depending on which locality. Like I have pictures on my phone, it's crazy. I have like 50 
orders that need to go to the Meliha area, St. Paul's Bay, whatever. I have like 70 orders that need to go to the south. So Marsa Scala, Marsa Shlok, Paola, whatever. I would have another like 70 that need to go central, like Slima, Valletta, whatever. And we would have this whole table. We would work on these orders the whole day, basically. And uh, then I had to wake up like around 5 a.m. because our delivery courier used to come and pick up everything. And he would start like at 7 a.m. going with the deliveries just because he had so much and it was one person. He was a, par- a part-timer. Uh, I remember I was paying him by the hour, which is, was a very bad idea when you pay someone for deliveries by the hour. But I was just figuring things out as I go. Um, and it was just crazy experience. But this all happened because I was dedicated, I was ambitious, I was motivated, I was obsessed for 30 days straight with creating something. And I remember I had the first 20,000 euros I made, they were stuck in PayPal and PayPal didn't want to give me my money. Because it was a large volume and a short it was a new, time. Because it was a new PayPal account that I had just created and I'm like, oh, let me just create this so I can connect it to the website. Okay. And like you said, it was just a, a big volume within a short amount of time and they didn't want to give me my money. And I had to pay suppliers, I had to pay for deliveries, I had to pay for operational costs for all of the shit we were doing. But I didn't care. I'm like, it's okay, I'll figure it out as I go. Like I didn't panic, I just kept going. I think a lot of people, they have too much time to think where they and they don't do and they don't do so they're in a zone where they're overthinking and they're overthinking and they're overthinking and what happens when you overthink think about negative think about what can go wrong instead of just doing things and learning as you go along and doing mistakes and just trying again doing more mistakes and just overcoming that and just finding the right way to do things i think a lot of people are just scared of mistakes and they just overthink everything you have to love failure, I think. I think so. It, it has to so. be like something that doesn't scare you. I, I think I mentioned it in a, in a podcast earlier, but um, I see it as there are like a certain number of no's you can achieve till you get your first yes. So you should be excited to get those no's because those no's are slowly, slowly like depleting. So if you had a hundred no's till you get your first yes, if you tell me no, all right, well, I'm 99 no's away now. Exactly. I'm always getting exactly. closer. With what you said, Nick, about just one one last thing before we go to a break. I hope you guys are enjoying. Comment, obsessed for this episode. Um, you had great results, I think. I mean, I'm sure. Um, uh, with that comes lots of dopamine. And with high dopamine comes a great crash after. How do you maintain the level so it's not so much that's overwhelming and how do you get back on your feet with that i think i mean this because it felt surreal for sure it did it did i mean the the amount of money you're seeing that you're making at the time and the amount of clout you get i remember when covid opened back up i was like oh now i'm going out you know and i would go out and some I would know some people and they would introduce me to other people as uh, this guy did that game. Oh my God, that game is fucking crazy. And I would have long conversations with people just because I was introduced as the guy who made that game and then obviously that this guy played, but he really wants to talk to me about how I thought of it and everything and the process behind it. And, um, So even then when I was, when I would go out, I remember I would go to parties just normal parties and uh, they would just 
invite me in for free and like without paying like bro come in come in come in like i would make friends with these people because then they would recognize me okay. and they would say come to our party come to our party so but i'm not i'm not outgoing i'm not an extrovert so for me it i think it was easier to control than people who are extroverts because okay. i think people who are extroverts are naturally inclined to um be more out there and be more um showing of what they did but i'm not like that like uh, i'm really not that type i'm not i'm not a person who likes to boast i'm not a person who likes to really show what i what i have i achieved there or what i what i achieved now or what I, so i just think it's my introvertness which kept me kind of at bay but there is like there is big hits of dopamine definitely there is a huge hit of dopamine when when someone introduces you as Nick and people already know you just because you made a game or just because you did this. There's a huge hit of dopamine. But ultimately, one thing I learned, and this I learned it just because I started working so young and I, I dealt with many different types of people. That eventually, people don't really give a fuck about what you are or what you do because today you're you're talked about tomorrow no one cares and this comes with positives and negatives so people don't care about you but that actually should fuel you to do whatever you want like if you want to do a podcast we'll do a podcast if this podcast is not good it's fine because people will forget by tomorrow we'll shoot another one we'll shoot another one then people will forget about that one but the momentum and the momentum is important mm. Um, so when it comes to dopamine, I mean, I'm, I'm thankful that I did have people I was able to reach out to that did help me and were there in a certain extent. Um, I mean, were in the same position as me a while back and they told me the right way to handle things. Um, so I'm grateful for that. But guidance is definitely important. Definitely, definitely. Guidance and having the right mentors, I think. Redefining success. Big word. In traditional success, we're used to being with people, um, uh, being lawyers or being doctors or being having a profession. How is that changing, Nick? And how how did you see that you making alternate money in in another uh, like walk of life? How did that inspire you um, mean, never, to work on your dreams? Then I never thought. I never woke up and said, I want to make 100,000 euros from a card game. Let's <laughs> start from that because it was just it was just an idea that I thought would work. Um, I think there's, there's just so many things. And, and I really enjoyed it. So I really, really liked doing it. And I still like it. And there's just so many things you can do in that industry. Um, but I think there's just so many things that, I mean, of course, we still need lawyers and doctors and all of these professions. But I think some people tend to go to routes that their parents might tell them to go to just because they don't know what they're going to do in their life. So like, it's like a safe option. Yeah, like a safe option. I think people should choose um, what they want based on their own experiences. And if you don't have experiences, go out there, go do an internship, go work with, with someone, go try, if you like photography, go take pictures, go help someone take pictures. Like, this is the thing, like, if you want to get started in something, you don't need any equipment. If you want to be a photographer, 
you can find a photographer and, and you can tell him, listen, I'm ready to work for you for free. I just want to learn. People exactly. will give you that opportunity. I, I did that to you with learning yeah. how to edit, in fact. Um, I told you, listen, Nick, I'll work for free. I'll have an internship. If you have one available, I'll yeah. take out some TikToks and, and what, I'll learn how to edit. That, what did that show you? I think if I didn't have the accountability of turning up four or five times a week and showing up every single day to edit, I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have taken the initiative, which way. is why I like routine. And that's, that's another thing I wrote down. Having a routine would really shapes the way you learn something because, yes, you say maybe I'll have regular blocks or it's still routine. It's still dedicating time to the craft, but having like strict i like having stricter coaches i like having more disciplined coaches i like having things more structured and scheduled out because i know i'll be more uh, I'd, my brain would think less during those things i'd i'd be thinking about uh, working towards everything else except the 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 program so i'm not thinking about the program i'm thinking about what i'm doing so i can focus more on that so having things in place which can help me out i'm going to use them and that, that's something so important. So I've now I do a lot of interviews before when I was even working in gaming. I, I didn't have my own company. I used to do a lot of interviews as well. And one thing I've learned is that you don't hire people for their skills. You hire them for your ambition. You hire them for their ambition. Definitely. And it's uh, it's it's just so so much more powerful when you have someone who's there and he he's he's or she's ready and able to learn as opposed to having someone who has the skill but doesn't have the ambition because you can teach skill but you can't teach ambition everything is teach. rooted in obsession as you well you can't teach drive you can't teach motivation you can't hire someone who's skilled and expect them to deliver great work because great work can only be done if you love doing what what you do if you don't love doing what you do you're not going to deliver things which are amazing or exceptional you're going to de deliver mediocre so i like to hire people who are ambitious and are willing to learn as well because that means they're always curious and that's what i like to surround myself with my whole team they're also curious they're also open to learn they're also motivated because they don't think they know everything. I don't know everything. But they're ambitious and they want to learn more. And I think that's so important. That's always every single day. A new day we learn something new. And I just think that nowadays people feel a sort of entitlement that, listen, I have this skill set and this is what I want and this is what I want to do. Like sometimes we try to go out with job roles without fully saying exactly what we're looking for because you can't look for a certain position to fill a certain position. We don't look to fill a certain position. We just look for the person who would fit in well with the company that might be able to do things related to that role. Yes, but everyone is different. So you can't just have an opening and say, listen, we have this opening. This is exactly what we need because people are different. People might surprise you. Don't find people that fit the team. Find people that create you, you can make into good candidates in the team. Exactly, so. and and it's all just it's all just a it's all just a learning process, and and it's just all everyone working together and seeing what works and seeing what 
make something work great more than anything. That's one of Socrates' famous quotes, in fact, that what you're saying, because I'm the, I am the wisest man alive, because all I know is one thing, and that's, that is that I know nothing. And the, these stoic quotes, I like, I like reading them sometimes. In fact, nonfiction and uh, philosophy and self-improvement are my favorite types of books, where learning how to learn and learning how to think are crucial things in anything. They're a foundation. They're widening the base of your pyramid to create um, a better understanding of anything that you do, being more malleable and being like, how do you, how do you say, like, like, like water, flow like water, like Bruce Lee says, be water, you take the shape of the cup, you, the, quick, the, the, the winners in life are the ones who are capable of adapting quickest. Um, uh, the ones who are most successful in pandemics are winners. They are the, the, the ones who win at the end of the day. So being, being capable of, of understanding that and seeing that that is the most important thing and not, again, we mentioned it in our previous podcast, not being first, but being the best is the most important thing. And that's something I, I, I do believe in very much. I think these past few podcasts have shaped the way I'm thinking because having sit-downs with people and having chats that, yes, maybe they're in front of a camera and maybe are a bit stiffer than people who are off camera because people are not as used to being on camera. But I've definitely learned a lot from how to speak, uh, how to listen, how to be a better member in... Uh, as I go about life, I think listening is the most underrated people skill that someone can have. And that is one thing peop- all people look for then. Exactly. I like to listen more than I talk because you, you learn. I get so that much. from you a lot. You learn so much from people, and also it allows people to feel like they're listened to because lately i mean not lately people tend to feel like they're not listened to so if you're just there listening they're going to have a positive overall exchange with you and the the takeaway from that conversation with you would be that you know i really enjoyed talking with thomas but in reality they were just talking themselves to you but you give them a positive experience and overall you would have made uh, a new connection with someone who's ready he already shared X amount with you next time he meets you he's going to tell you oh you know I went on holiday I did this or my parents did this or I had a kid so you start building foundation of trust and one thing that separates you then is you recalling them for example if if you tell me I have this really important meeting coming up next week and then I meet you in two weeks I tell you how was the meeting immediately you say this guy was listening to me he wasn't just hearing me he was listening to me it's such a powerful dynamic to sit down and just to listen to people Without interrupting and without trying to um, level up people. Because I feel like most of the time, when you're in a setting and you're meeting someone new, um, uh, the order is here in five minutes. When you are out meeting new people, meeting new people is hard. But I really enjoy meeting um, different faces and, you know, people from all over. But sometimes it's hard to be on the same level. I don't know if you get this or if it's just something that I experience. But for example, from your side, imagine you meet someone mm-hmm. who's into sports. Okay. 
um, and you start talking about, oh yeah, I do this, I do that, I went to Tokyo. That's the common ground. The common ground is conversation. You do, you do sports, but okay. if you say that you do, um, you went to Tokyo. If both of you are very competitive, mm. he might literally instantly try to take one, one that me. competitive side and try to one up you. I I used to see life like that, like it's always a competition. I do still see it as a competition, but I think I can I can learn much more from someone who is passionate about sport and I can oh, see their their perspective. So I don't see life as much as a competition rather than me learning from all different people and learning all the different skills because if I'm capable of being in many rooms and I'm capable of sticking around to many people so if it's you I I, I may not know everything about programming but I have a good understanding hello as you guys can see, this episode was cut short. If you haven't yet watched part two of this episode that we posted earlier, make sure you watch it through the pop-up on your screen now or go to YouTube or Spotify and search for a single-handedly food courier episode where we invited a food courier delivery driver on the podcast to describe his crazy journey of fleeing his country in search of a better life. If you're new here and you haven't done so yet, please like, subscribe, and follow us through the links in our bio. Thank you, and on to the next. Uh. <laughs>